0: Hello, this is Anja Steinborn from Philosophy Now! magazine, bringing you today's Philosophy Now! radio. Our topic today is Feminist Philosophy. What is it? What should it be? What can it do? Joining me on the show are four women who have extensive experience and strong views on these matters. They are Anne Brisby, who co-organizes the philosophy forum, um, F- Feminism Philosophy Forum of the philosophy, London-based philosophy group Philosophy for All. Vicky Bell, who is Professor of Sociology at Goldsmith College. Mina Danda, who is a Reader in Philosophy at the University of Wolverhampton, and Terry Murray, who has worked as an independent documentary maker. She's a philosopher and theologian and currently teaches sixth-form philosophy. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me. Hi. Okay, well, here's a general warm-up question for you, but uh, one which is also already philosophical, I think. And we should just start off by asking, well, what is feminism? Who would like to start us off?
1: Well, if you were to just look up a dictionary definition of feminism, it would say something like a doctrine that advocates equality for women. Um, But I think what's also interesting is all the secondary connotations and associations that people have with feminism, many of them quite negative. And it's always assumed that feminists have to be women, which they don't.
0: Ah, thank you, Terry.
2: Okay, Vicky. Yeah, I I think um, that feminism is about a commitment, actually. It's a kind of... um, Making a judgement um, um, and making commitment to pass something on. Um, I think one of the things I wanted to talk about today was the importance of of passing on the, the history of feminism um, through through our teaching and in other ways.
0: Yes, this is interesting and, and perhaps we can talk a little bit more about uh, you know, what feminism is today because it does have this 1970s ring to, to a lot of people a lot of people when they hear feminism feminist, feminists, well they sort of think of, of the 70s and is it really still relevant today, Mina?
3: Um, for me, feminism isn't a singular First of all, uh, by now we would talk about feminisms, uh, which is quite a mouthful, but I think that we have to recognise that there are many different ways in which we can challenge uh, the subordination of women. And as philosophers, we are interested in understanding what is presupposed in launching an opposition to women's subordination, Uh, Does it involve a political or ethical commitment? How far far does that commitment reach? Uh, Can I be effectively a feminist philosopher if I only ever give lectures of philosophy, feminist philosophy in the classroom <coughs> do nothing in my life outside or does being a feminist philosopher also involve something like a notion of an activist intellectual who will, after having done the lecture on feminism in the <laughs> class go outside and do something to make a difference to the lives of women for me, I would say it is the latter I yes. do hold an ideal of an activist intellectual and I, I believe that to truly be a feminist philosopher, you have to let <coughs> your values. Show through the way you actually live your
0: life. Yes, and I think that's a really interesting question. To to what degree is this necessary? If you're a feminist theorist, to also be an activist, is is there necessary connection between feminist theory, feminist activism, and what do you think?
4: Well, I think uh, I think there is because as feminists, we want to see a change uh, in the way that society is organised. And that isn't going to just come about um, by wishing it so. It's going to involve involve action and um, and we'll certainly need to discuss with the people of our acquaintance to raise their consciousness and so forth, as well as the activism that Mina was talking about. Yes. Yes,
2: Vicky? I think it's important, though, not, not to to make too stark a distinction between you know some idea of say the university and the realm of activism um, because i think these days it's much more fluid than that Mm -hmm. suggests
0: yes but but feminist theory is not easily accessible to everybody though is it i mean some of it Mm. is very difficult some of it is is highly philosophical um and and so so i I suppose there there's a spectrum wouldn't you say?
3: Sorry. Uh, first, Vicky, I, I did, I do think that the two are combined, that's why I said activist intellectual. Uh, I, I would have reservations about taking on board someone who was purely an intellectual. I, I do think from our knowledge that we have of a whole number of women who have gained notoriety in uh, various uh, academic and non-academic spheres that they have shown their commitment outside the academia as well. So I speak from maybe a comfortable position here. Uh, but uh, I, I would want to say that um, there are specifically perhaps academic questions about uh feminist philosophy as well. So some feminists have devoted a lot of time and a lot of energy to try and show the ways in which feminists, uh, women philosophers of the past have not been fully appreciated and we've mm. spent a lot of yes. time in bringing their works into the public domain and that yeah. I think is could be just a work of scholarship which we must appreciate and and, and acknowledge and accept uh, yes. but then uh, beyond that then there are other ways in which um, women philosophers have tried to make us appreciate the contribution of women in that male philosophers have often unacknowledged, without acknowledging appropriated the work of women philosophers. So it's there Mm, in the writings, but it's not been fully acknowledged. That's another interesting kind of detective work that some women philosophers do Mm. point out the names and the ideas that are hidden in the work of the philosophers that we commonly read in history textbooks. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think that's quite a an interesting way of introducing yes. feminist philosophy to people who uh, may not associate a given idea with a woman when in fact that's, right. that's where the idea came from Yes,
0: yeah. yes,
3: and, and we'll,
0: we'll come more to feminist philosophy and its, its particular uh, contents as well
3: but perhaps to return to this
0: question of, of what is feminism and perhaps also who is a feminist so Terry tells us you know, feminists don't have to be uh, women uh, what, what is involved in being a feminist is there necessarily a particular agenda so Susan Fadudi and her fantastic Fantastic book, The Backlash, says um, that there is. Um, here I quote. Feminism's agenda is basic. It asks that women not be, not be forced to choose between public justice and private happiness. It asks that women be free to define themselves instead of having their identity defined for them time and again by their culture and their men. Mm-hmm. Well, um, What do you think? Is this not perhaps uh, asking a little too much? You know, who is really completely free to uh, define themselves? Also, wouldn't you perhaps say that feminism uh, could just simply be an interest in women's lives and the perspective of women without a particular agenda, political agenda? Or is feminism always political?
4: And what do you think? Well, I think that feminism always has a political agenda or it's empty. We, you know, we dis, uh, we disagree on what is just or unjust, and uh, your point about um, our being free to decide um, is well taken, but the, uh, but the view is really
1: <clears throat>
4: related to the ancient view of women as functional. Right. Whereas, uh, whereas men could be individuals. Yes, we're really sort of seeing, uh, wanting everyone to be um, seen as an individual, but also having uh, a requirement to be involved with um, social uh, social matters like, All right. care work.
2: Okay, thank you. Yeah, well, it's, I think it's a deeply philosophical question, isn't it? I mean, yes. When do you know? Um, that you're free and being free to decide you know, presupposes all sorts of um, uh, abilities to to see, you know, uh, the, the limitations that are placed upon you. And I think that is, in some senses, it is a very contemporary issue for 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 women at the moment, at uh, today, because um, you know that they are, in some ways, a kind of rights discourses you know in danger of eclipsing a, a feminist yes. discussion yes mm. um and you know is it, uh, i think it's perfectly right that women should think you know i should have a right to you know love who i want to wear yes. what i want to and so on um but how do you know that the the choice the freedom that you are asserting your right to is one that is yes. you know not um you know buying into somebody else's agenda be that a commercial capitalist agenda or yes, a yep. patriarchal agenda or whatever so I think that is the, the you know deeply philosophical question that we're constantly coming back to
0: yes I think that's very interesting so the feminist discourse of course is not isolated from 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 other kinds of discourse and discussions and and, and agendas that that are happening in our time and we have to to see it in that, that context
3: uh, yes can, can I just quickly add, I think we uh, I, I'm quite uh, impressed by certain things that one of my favorite philosophers, Iris Marion Young, who died mm-hmm. prematurely in 2006, uh, said um, about um, really trying to transvalue the values that we have inherited in what she calls our you know a commodified, efficiency-oriented, rationalist culture that we live in. And in this culture, sometimes I think the notion of choice. And the notion of rights is misappropriated. More Mm -hmm. important than defending what we are able to do in terms of having a choice or having the right to do it, we really need to think about how our lives might improve, seemingly sometimes without necessarily making individual choices, because often the change happens structurally, and a lot of things have to change for people's women's lives, in particular, to become better. Yes. Not necessarily only initiated by the choice that individual women make, so i 'm trying to sort of here downplay the notion of individual choice and, and right, which sometimes is, is a very big part of the liberal agenda, but I mm. think needs to yes. be questioned
1: yes, yes yes, Terry um, I think this goes back to what is feminism, and um, I think it was Vicky who said it 's a choice or a commitment, and I think it, it has to be a choice in a liberal democracy because we do make a distinction between the public and private spheres and in the public sphere it could be argued that we've already achieved many of the rights that we wanted to achieve and we have legal equality and yet we can say well in so many ways women still face subordination and so
5: Mm.
1: it's in the realm of choice that we can overcome that subordination for example in the family um, where one can if one chooses um, be submissive and even eroticize that or fetishize that. But the other choice is, of course, not to be submissive or um, in how you raise your children, both your girls and your boys. Yes. Um, so I think that's where, in a liberal democracy, the progress can still be made today. Yes. And what would have to be in place for this to happen? I think education and awareness yes. above mm-hmm. all. Yeah, yeah. So that... Uh, there is a genuine option available to women because they're aware of the options. Yes.
0: Good. Okay, that's that's that sounds sounds, sounds very interesting. But. Um in, in terms of um, you know who can be a fem- feminist, well you know is, is it really true that that anybody can be a feminist? Don't you need to have sort of particular insight into what uh, life is like from the perspective of a woman? Can a man ever do this? You know is is, is it possible? I mean, we have a great example, of course, of uh, of a philosopher who is was who is a feminist, a very prominent philosopher, John Stuart Mill. Um, but uh, would we say that is the exception, or do you think on the whole this is possible
1: and available to to everybody, Terry? No, you don't have to experience sexism itself to recognize that it's wrong, just like you don't have to experience slavery or racism to recognize that it's wrong.
3: I, I would put it slightly differently in order to accept that men too can be feminists. I would say that men, too, experience sexism, That is not mm. just women who are the victims of sexism, everybody is, the same as when we talk about any prejudice, mm. uh, there aren't people who are free of that prejudice, everyone, the receiver, the perpetrator is a part of it, and so whilst we want to say that uh, a man can be a feminist, I would have to s- stop the uh, language which d- divides victims from perpetrators and say in mm. a sense we are all victims but you are also all perpetrators yeah. and therefore it is possible to include everybody in any struggle that we want to launch against sexism or yes. racism or any other prejudice. So, so,
0: so I mean gender roles in society affect everybody so there are particular expectations associated with being a man and other expectations associated I, with I being a woman. I just
3: quickly add on Mill. Yes. No. Whilst Mill made a very passionate appeal for For the vote for women in the uh, subjection of women in that particular writing he did still appeal to certain ideas which were anti-women as in appealing to men that if you were to give the right to women it's really not going to make very much of a difference because uh, women will not exercise their position their ability to use that right in the same way as men would so he was trying to pacify the men mm. a clever bull uh, at the same time as he was championing women's rights and as I would tell my students often remember that John Stuart Mill got to that point because of Harriet Taylor. Indeed,
0: so was yeah. Harriet Taylor. We, are, we, we
3: shouldn't forget
0: Harriet Taylor. No, no, that, that's absolutely Definitely. right. And, and perhaps mm-hmm. this this view that uh, uh, that you talked about that John Stuart Mill uh, might have expressed um, comes comes also a little bit from from his father James Mill, who was mm-hmm. not at all in favour of, of giving women the vote, and and who said, well, actually, it's not going to make a great difference because if you give women the vote, uh, the overall or um, outcome is going to be the same because women are going to vote like their fathers or their husbands. So it's really all going to be the same. So it's unnecessary. Um, oh. Of course, you know that at the same time, this is very insulting. It uh, didn't particularly bother
1: him. Terry, um, I would accept that men can be victims of sexism, insofar as they have to live by the gender roles that they themselves have constructed. But they do have a much bigger role in constructing those gender roles yes. in our society. I think that yes. needs to be pointed out. Yeah. And also, um, the many of the men who are victims of Sexist gender roles are gay men because those are heterosexist gender yes. roles which are mm-hmm. being yes. perpetuated through culture yeah.
0: mm. thank you for that we're going to take a short break and we're going to play some music Terry has chosen
1: some music for us what's our next track term? this is Terry. Alicia Keys A Woman's Worth
5: Those oh. oh. who
0: This is Philosophy Now Radio. I'm Anja Steinbauer, and I'm joined by Anne Brisby, Vicky Bell, Mina Danda, and Terry Murray in our discussion of feminist philosophy. Well, the first part of our discussion, I think, has shown that feminism isn't one thing, but feminism can mean a number of concerns. It's, it's a term that uh, that implies a pluralism, and I think most feminists really value this kind of pluralism as well. A number of different approaches, a number of different issues that people wish to discuss under this heading. Now, I think we should talk a little a bit more about feminist philosophy, feminist theory, and I'd be very interested to hear how it comes into your work, what it means to you. Um, So, um, Vicky, would you like to start us off? Sure. Um, Yeah, well, um, I think... um
2: if I can go back as far as <laughs> writing my uh, my doctoral thesis, I think at that time um, we had um, a, a lot of uh, feminist uh, theory around issues that um, were just coming into the academy Um, around issues of sexual abuse, for example, sexual abuse of children, Mm. a lot of feminist and radical feminist analysis of those that were seen as somehow less um, philosophical, if you like, less um, academic than some other work, which I saw as very closely related, and I'm thinking here in particular of the work of Michel Foucault in The History of Sexuality, Mm. and the enormous... uh, You can't understate the impact of of that work um, on um, the study of... um, of sexuality, um, so the first way in which um, feminism came into my work was um, in trying to see the connections between radical feminist analysis and a more Foucauldian approach um, to discourses of sexuality through history and so on. Um,
0: that sounds very interesting. So, so I mean, can can you say say a little bit more what 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 this means? Not everybody may be quite familiar with with the Foucault kind of uh, analysis. Of how... How does
2: this work out? Sure, what, well, what are the interests? Sure. Well, um, Foucault's thesis um, uh, was that um, power relations um, surround uh, sexuality um, in, in, in ways that are kind of more uh, intimate. They get into the bodies and forms of embodiment um, than we than we tend to uh, assume. That if we're going to study the history of sexuality, yes. um, we need to be studying those discourses not just uh, yes. within legal state institutions, but also um, in, 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 if you like, the social
3: social spheres.
0: Yes, that 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 sounds that sounds good. And um, uh, Mina, is that is that an interest that you that you share in terms of the, the idea of power relations? And,
3: uh, yes, Foucault is a part of what I uh, touch upon when when I teach feminists political philosophy but I I want to talk more generally about what feminist philosophy has meant for me Uh, I've taught a course feminism in philosophy for several years until very recently when due to the pressure of changes we had to uh, change uh, lop it off and distribute it in many different courses as a a whole other matter Um, what I have tried to do over the years of teaching feminism in philosophy is first of all to point out um, a corrective, feminist, offer feminist philosophy as a corrective. The canon we mm-hmm. know is full of illustrious male philosophers and women are often ignored in standard histories so I've tried to include women philosophers as much as possible in the many different courses that we now teach. Um, I've also tried to give examples of misogyny which are prevalent in the works of well-regarded very important male philosophers, uh, some that we study more often than others. But just to give you an example, we do do Aristotle quite a lot. And uh, there's any number of quotations you can give from Aristotle which tell us the kind of view he had about women. Yes. Um, for him, the life of a slave or a woman is merely functional. It serves the interest of free men and in allowing them to participate in active political or public life. And the household is an inferior sphere and despite having speech which distinguishes men from animals, wives and slaves are lesser humans. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean, of course, that that you (laughs) forget about Aristotle. Some very important women philosophers have used Aristotle to very good, uh, made very good use. So, Martha Nussbaum is an example of someone who's quite inspired by Mm -hmm. Aristotle and and uses, has developed with the Matthias the capabilities approach, which in Mm -hmm. a broader spectrum helps us to understand how we might evaluate human lives and what makes human lives go better. So, Whilst one is pointing out at the misogyny of the, in the thought of male philosophers, one is also trying to take a feminist view of it, as in, when you are approaching the thought of another person, pick what you can make good use of. And don't follow, as I try to, not follow the adversarial method in which you kill mm. the person along with the thought. So you, you don't even take what is good in that person's thought. Okay, that would, in my view, be falling a trap to a male way of doing philosophy. So even whilst I would criticize Aristotle for some things, I do not think that I'm ready to dismiss Aristotle or any other philosopher for that matter. There are many, many interesting, yes. important things that tell us. Yes. So I no, approach sure. it as a woman, as a, fam- as a feminist philosopher. Yes, that, that makes sense. But I think this
0: is a very uh, interesting and, and you know, very sort of sore point for a lot of uh, women philosophers. I mean, on the one hand, we admire these, these great philosophers of the past, such as Aristotle. It's very difficult not to be inspired by Aristotle. And, and at the same time, uh, these these great men seem to tell us, well, but but look, you know, really, you, <laughs> uh, as a woman, are um, inferior. So, uh, for instance, uh, Hegel, you know, the otherwise great philosopher Hegel uh, once said, "Women are capable of education, but they're not made for activities which demand universal faculty, such as the more advanced sciences, philosophy, and certain forms of artistic production. Women regulate their actions not by the demands of universality, but by arbitrary inclinations and opinions." So could that's pretty that. damning, isn't it? Absolutely.
3: Mm. And I could add to that Schopenhauer, who says that women are childish, frivolous, and short-sighted. In a word, yeah. they are big children all their life. Yes, yes. <laughs> I don't and mind. That's, that's really I'd classic, love to uh, play like a child all my life.
0: <laughs> that's a classical view, isn't it? That, that women are somehow uh, like like children, sort of immature uh, men. So, so I mean, what are we going to do with this? I mean, uh, you, you say that we shouldn't uh, dismiss um, the philosophers of, of the past for, for that reason. Um, a lot of philosophers, male philosophers, perhaps would say, oh, well, you know, look, this is just because because they lived in the past, they didn't know any better. We shouldn't, we shouldn't worry about this at all. You know, why why, why even mention it? Uh, does it matter? In what sense does it matter, um, Terry? Do you think? Do you think it matters?
1: Uh, well, I certainly wouldn't object to criticizing those particular views within that philosopher's philosophy. But I don't think we have to throw out the baby with the bathwater. I agree with Mina on that um, because, you know, we're talking about ideas and not necessarily people who yeah. hold them. Yes. We can just take their ideas yes. uh, for yes. what they're worth. Um, yes. But- However, yes. I think there's a whole history, not just in philosophy, but in art and literature and film and television, yes, indeed. a whole cultural history of representing womanhood in a certain light. And philosophers have also fed into that, representing women as, yes. you know, childlike or children. And yes. I think that tell we can address. us more about that, because
0: that's your topic, isn't it? Good
1: presentation. <laughs> yes. So yeah, tell us more about that. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm coming from a representation point of view, film studies is my uh, sort of area. And so I'm looking, like most feminists, at the distinction between sex and gender, Mm -hmm. and how stereotypes of gender are perpetuated through cultural myths and stories. And um, I was just reading today, this is quite a frightening statistic, 22% of kids' books feature male animal characters, while only half that number feature female animal characters. And I think across the board in in film as well i mean if you look at this hasn't changed since i was a child actually um in um 2008 a study was conducted that showed 67% of speaking roles in the top 100 grossing movies featured men um yes. so then you get these yes, ideas yes. circulating in the public sphere that women are more caring more empathetic um, yes. more nurturing. Mm-hmm. Well, why is that? It's because we've had an awful lot of practice Indeed, sympathizing yes. with male characters <laughs> and identifying with them because that yes. is who is offered for our identification and for our pleasure. Yes
0: But this, this idea of, of actually Since you mentioned of, of being nurturing and, and caring Actually has been uh, made, uh, made very positive use of as well In feminist philosophy and feminist ethics in particular There's for instance Carol Gilligan And her idea of, of an ethics of care not, not, just, not just Carol Gilligan who holds this view But of course there are others who uh, also uh, make this a topic Then of course there is um, a maternal ethics for, for instance as well And Anne I think you're very interested in feminist ethics aren't you? Do you want to tell us about that?
4: Well, I think one of the interesting things is that uh, feminist ethics, particularly feminist applied ethics, will look at topics that uh, male philosophers have ignored Mm. and uh, uh, feminist philosophers have sought to drag the field into uh, the contemporary world. How far it succeeded, I'm not too sure. Yes. Uh, For instance, Something like domestic violence, which affects one in four women over a lifetime, is something which hasn't been considered
3: by men.
0: Yes, that's true in, in, in terms of uh, the variety of issues that um, are majorly uh, important and under discussion in applied ethics. Um, clearly, there are some, some issues that are particularly interesting to women, such as abortion. That's, that's a very big mm-hmm. issue in applied yes. ethics. But then there are others which uh, really feminist philosophy needs to, to bring into the, the philosophical arena. And um, domestic violence would be one, perhaps also pornography mm-hmm. uh, and prostitution. So, so to, to, to make them real issues within the moral discussion, uh, I think that's, that's, that's a serious contribution that feminist ethics can make, Terry.
1: But I think there's a philosophical question about any kind of essentialism you know, that says women are inherently more like this and men mm-hmm. are inherently yes. more like that. You know, to what extent are these just socially taught constructions mm-hmm. which we've then reified or naturalized? Um, I just think of an easy example. Uh, If I talk to my female sisters, uh, my siblings, sorry. (laughs) I meant to say my female siblings. Um, That was a bit redundant. Uh, You know, I say, well, why are you raising your kids in these ways that are just indoctrinating them with complete stereotypes about what's a boy and what's a girl? And they say, oh, well, Tara, you know... Boys and girls really are just different by nature. And I say, okay, then why do you have to teach them with all these props? (laughs) You know, if it's so natural... Yes. You won't have to do this. You can mm. just trust that they'll grow up to be nice little straight kids like you want them to.
0: And I think it's it's very it's very yes. difficult to to uh really bring up children in, in a neutral kind of way. Um, but I mean these days I think especially more than uh, I don't know say five, 10 years ago uh everything is either pink or blue and uh, you know toys are either for boys or for girls and and
3: and the like. Mina? Um, just to uh mention um A very interesting development in uh, feminist philosophy of language, which got linked to discussion of pornography. Yes, and I I think it's uh, for me that's uh, uh, the way that philosophy, feminist philosophy, can be very creatively done. And I have in mind Ray Langton, who uh, had made a criticism of pornography by using um, the idea of speech acts. Theory from J.L. Austin, uh, basically arguing that pornography silences women. It has the effect of silencing women. So instead of going into the debate about whether pornography harms or doesn't and going into the question of uh, how whether there is a causal relationship between the consumption of pornography and the action that those who yes. consume por- pornography might engage in, Without going into that causal question, it is making a different kind of argument that the existence of pornography has the effect, the perlocutionary effect, because pornography is like a speech act. And I think that's an example of feminist philosophy making a very credible intervention in a political debate about What's wrong with pornography? By using the best resources available that philosophy in general can provide. That's a very good example. Uh, I, re- I really like that. I would. I would also like us to to just
0: just very briefly consider areas where you wouldn't automatically think of uh, the feminist perspective as being particularly relevant or distinctive. Um, so we've talked about feminist ethics. We've talked a little bit about feminist philosophy of language and you know feminist political theory. And um, what about an area such as epistemology? So um, the theory. Of knowledge, but also philosophy of science. There, there is uh, a feminist philosophy of science. There, there is a feminist uh, kind of epistemology as well. In in what sense might might feminism make a contribution to to areas like that? Because you think, well, you know, knowledge is is for everybody, right? It's the same for everybody. Is that so? Do you think? And do you do you have any views on that? Well,
4: one of the things that we can consider uh, in regard to epistemology is who counts as a knower. Very good. Yes, and it can often be quite difficult for women to be accounted as Mm. knowers and uh, uh, and thereby uh, their genuine experience is not taken
3: into account Yes, Mm. and Mina, did you want to add to that? Yes, definitely. I I think there's also along with that um, the further question of what counts as knowledge why do yeah. does knowledge necessarily have to be available in propositional forms as in p is q yeah
4: yes. mm. uh,
3: does it have to be in that form or to what extent can we think of knowledge and transmission of knowledge in terms of practical knowledge something yes. that you learn by doing something that the knowing how yeah and Mm feminist philosophers have made very good use of this distinction between knowing Mm. how and knowing that Mm. to bring into the picture the kind of knowledge that women have acquired through living their lives in the way they have there's a wealth of knowledge that they have but because it doesn't find its way into a textbook or a manual it does mm. not have the same status that uh, a knowledge, a knowledge which can be put in informational terms yes. has. Mm. So it's trying yes. to go away from, get away from the idea of knowledge as information yes. in terms of more knowledge as your ability to conduct your life. So it really requires um, us to yes. rethink.
0: Yes. Mm. Thank you very much. We're, we're going to play some more music. Terry, what, what else do you have
1: for us? This is called Just Because I'm a Woman. It's by Dali Parton.
6: I can see you're disappointed by the way you look at me, and I'm sorry that I'm not the woman you thought I'd be. Yes, I've made my mistakes, but listen and understand, my Mistakes are no worse than yours Just because I'm a woman So when you look at me Don't feel sorry for yourself Just think of all the shame both know where we stand My mistakes are no worse than yours Just because I'm a woman Now a man will take a good girl And he ruin her reputation But when he wants to marry Well that's a different situation he'll just walk off and leave her to do What you thought you'd found I was just the victim of a man that let me down Yes, I've made my mistakes But listen and understand My mistakes are no worse than yours Just because I'm a woman Because
0: I'm a woman This is Philosophy Now Radio. I'm Anja Steinbauer and I'm joined by Anne-Brisby, Vicky Bell, Mina Danda, and Terry Murray for our discussion of feminist philosophy. Um, and I would like in this last part of our show ask you, what, what is it like being a feminist philosopher? I've, um, sometimes sometimes, uh, from the philosophical community there is this sort of feedback that we get that perhaps feminist philosophy isn't serious philosophy. If you're a feminist philosophy, it's all a bit soft. You know, so you're not really doing proper philosophy. It's, it's perhaps not even rational. My own experience includes the opening ceremony of the World Congress in Philosophy uh, that took place in 1998 in, uh, in Boston where the Chancellor of Boston University, John, John Silver, gave, uh, gave an address. And normally these opening addresses to conferences are very boring. and Everybody just tells you it's a great historical occasion. But he actually uh, said so welcome of all philosophers um, except for postmodern and feminist philosophers. And it was rather an aggressive attack that he launched against <laughs> feminist thinkers in particular. And he said, well, this is all relativistic. And, uh, you know, and really, it's, it's also not rational. So it's not real philosophy, but too bad you have to be here as well. So... Um, what, what is it like being a feminist thinker, Mina? Um, what
3: is it like I, c- to I can't stop. Uh, I mean, if, if I wasn't sitting on this show, I'd be burst out laughing, you know, listening to what you've just reported about the speech that was given. Uh, but seriously, um, being a feminist philosopher is, first of all, being a philosopher. Okay. So I am someone who tries to think and judge for myself. But what I do try to um, move towards is that this withdrawal from generally held beliefs, which is considered to be good and a mark of being a philosopher, shouldn't be done alone. Why just by myself? Why not mm-hmm. with other people? So one thing which I think is important as a feminist philosopher for me is that the process of thinking for myself is done with other people. I start from the, from yeah. the beginning, it's done with other people. And I've tried to use that... Uh, bring that into m- the teaching of feminist philosophy yes. uh, in my university so for example for the last 8 years uh, in one particular module and now in 2 or 3 adopted by other people uh, I have an assessment called uh, a jointly written dialogue so instead of ex- asking students to write an essay on a topic uh, I expect them to, in groups of 3 or 4 to jointly produce a dialogue inspired by Mm. something like maybe the dialogues they read from Plato or uh, from Socrates, uh, but brought up to date. They can be about uh, in modern settings they don't have to be set in some pastime, but the main idea being that the position that uh, they discuss and debate develops between them. Mm. It is not the sole property of either A, B or C it 's something that is jointly produced, and on which of course there 's a creative element too it 's yes. not a report of a discussion; they can uh, uh, hone it towards mm. something so so that's i think is important in that feminist values yes are incorporated in how we actually teach philosophy and I think mm. that applies not just to teaching feminist philosophy but just teaching philosophy yes yes so, so
0: so feminist philosophy doesn't become this this weird niche area which is a sort of sort of you know minority interest but actually yes. it just becomes part of yes. philosophy yes. and in fact uh, since phlo- feminist philosophy is by its very nature critical it makes it actually very good philosophy doesn't it yeah. so yes yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so, so uh, what about some of the others uh, Terry you actually have the, the pleasure mm-hmm. and very often I think it is a pleasure of, of teaching uh, teenagers as well at the moment. So are they sort of receptive to, to feminist ideas?
1: Well, I teach mostly teenage boys because that's the demographic that tend to do film studies. And um, they grumble a little bit at the beginning. But my job is to try to get them interested in films where women are empowered and represented in a positive way. And what they learn as they start to understand the difference between sex and gender and they start to understand the whole concept of representation. They start to realize that men and their roles, you know, masculinity has also been represented and constructed. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, what I want to do is kind of enlighten them to that, and that yes. you know, uh, qualities that they thought were just natural or reified, they now can see that these are made yes. mostly by a male-dominated Hollywood film industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but. One thing that is kind of frustrating in the classroom is that male pupils have louder voices than female pupils, and often in discussions right. will attempt to or succeed in drowning them out in yes. in group discussions, or yes. so on. Yes,
0: yes, and I mean you you are very much part of of the uh, feminism forum of uh, philosophy for all, and you're one of the uh, organizers. Um, what what's your experience of uh, of feminist discussions? Uh, you know within Context of the also being being men. Well,
4: it's interesting. It's true that some men uh, are very supportive and and very good, but some regrettably dominate the conversation, and uh, they have uh, succeeded in spoiling uh, debates from time to time. Um.
0: Yes. Yeah. So, so it, it 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 does it does happen. But of course, there there have been also I think very good discussions in, yeah, in, in, in it. including that. Um, yes, Vicky. What for? What? What about you? Uh, what what well, is the feminist affair? Yeah. I was just thinking as you were asking the
2: question world. whether I think of myself as a feminist philosopher. Yeah, um, yes. Certainly, think of myself as a feminist. I'm not sure about the philosopher bit. Yes. Um, um, because I teach in a, a department of sociology. Yes. Although I think what I teach is very philosophical. Mm. Um, and I think it's it's been a, a real joy for me to incorporate feminist thinkers and yes. feminist attitudes and uh, um, critique in, into those courses. And you know, a, a sociology is by contrast with, with uh, what Terry was saying about your course. It's it's uh, dominated by by young women, um, and they are very receptive to feminism. I find on the whole, and I yes. think Goldsmiths is a very feminist space and we have you know a a lot of uh, women who are doing fantastic feminist work and analysis in lots of different departments that's Um, very encouraging maybe they're self-selected but i think there's also a kind of openness to feminism in in this generation that's coming that's coming through and it's not a shock to them
3: that's that's very hopeful i can mean it i would just add to what the observation that wiki made we've um, I'm a member of the Society for Women in Philosophy and have been for many years uh, as an office holder, treasurer first, and mm. at the moment for some years as a member of the executive. Uh, one change that I have noticed over the years is that uh, in the conferences that we organize, more and more men now want to present papers in the Society for Women in Philosophy conference. The, the last one, the panel that we organized is the Joint Session of Mind and Aristotelian Society, In July, in Sussex, uh, there was a man who was, uh, you know, through the refereeing process, accepted to present a paper. So that, I think, is is quite interesting that there is a greater openness. I certainly experienced that in my classes. There's never been a resistance from male students to study feminist philosophy, many yes. of them sometimes at the end of it say they wish they'd been acquainted with it at the start of their mm-hmm. course. Uh, they would have come to the whole course of doing philosophy yes. in a different way if they had been so encouraged. But just quickly I wanted to say that there are still obstacles in terms of the position of women in the profession of philosophy and uh, figures one can point out. So in say 2005 out of all the women professors only 14% were women. All the male Of the professors mm-hmm. only four 14 percent were mm. women yes. Um, yes so there so, are so progression so issues is there about why is then. it that women do not progress to become professors as easily as men yes. do. Uh, but I think that it's um, there, there, there are progressive there are um, victories as well one could say. So the recent one which I do want to share very quickly is that uh, for the current research excellence framework, the REF, due to the involvement of Society for Women in philosophy, a provision has now been made that the number of submissions uh, made by women could be lessened by one per maternity leave that they take in this period, and that's going to be applied to all panels. That's very good. So, so mm. there is definitely progress,
0: and and we do hope that uh, more of you listeners perhaps may may take an interest in feminist approaches to to philosophy as well. Uh, just 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 briefly, so um, uh, Mina, people people should go online and look up the Society for for Women in Philosophy.
3: Absolutely, there's a website, Society Women in Philosophy. The next conference of the society is going to happen in London in. 18th, and 19th of November. If you go on the website, you'll find information there. Excellent. It's on feminist epistemology. Thank you very much. And anything you want to give a plug? Well,
4: um, look at the website for uh, PFA London. This is www.pfalondon.org. That's for philosophy for all. Uh, Vicky, no.
0: Terry, <laughs> anything you, you, would, you would like? I want to, to urge
1: all listeners to read my book, which is called uh, Feminist Absolutely. Film Studies: A Guide for Teachers. That that sounds very good, and uh, of course
0: you're very much invited to read Philosophy Now magazine, uh, which which also has and will have more contributions by feminist philosophers. Um, but also there's a very big uh, event coming up uh, on the 18th of December, organised by Philosophy for all because it is uh, by by uh, Philosophy Now magazine and uh, invites Philosophy for All and all kinds of other uh, societies within philosophy to take part. It is the 20th anniversary of Philosophy Now magazine. And uh, so, so we're going to have a big day of philosophy, an all-day uh, set of events, uh, discussions and uh, debates and lectures at Conway Hall uh, in, uh, in, London, in in London, near Holborn, uh, on the 18th of December, starting at 11 o'clock in the morning until 11 o'clock at night. So uh, go to the uh, Philosophy Now website, philosophynow.org, and you will find uh, the details. Um, thank you all very much for, for being here, and uh, thank you for, for you listeners at home.